call you back. I'm just on hold to trade radio. <laughs> I, I think you're going to want to take this call. What's happened? Uh, if you had to guess, what do you reckon? <laughs> Nothing is beyond. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, Gunston, good news. <laughs> I mean, he is looking to sign, uh, just not with us. Uh, okay, wow. Oh, well, all aboard Fergie. <laughs> this podcast curse of ours is inescapable, isn't it? I mean, our track record with recording right before some massive news is broken. Yeah, we should be paid not to record by the club. <laughs> Uh, it is truly something else, but anyway, I, I thought I'd um, I thought I'd let you know, oh, and uh, the listeners, the listeners are going to understand that it's not much we can do about it. I, I just think it's pretty hilarious at this point. Yeah, oh, Jack took his time. He did, he did. What's it going to be like at the PCM? <laughs> yeah, he thought he might announce that he was staying. Well, anyway, well, I'm off, fellas. <laughs> well, listeners will hear all about that in the episode where they're about to hear. Yes, indeed, history was made at Punt Road Oval with Hawthorne recording their first ever AFLW win. It was a good news story in a week Hawks fans sorely needed it. A series of allegations rocking the footy world. We'll get to all that, plus a bit of trade and Peter Crimmins' medal chat right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and tis great to see our women in brown and gold get a win on the board. I nearly flicked it off. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was diabolically bad. That was some of the worst footy we've produced all year in that first quarter. There's no doubt about that. First quarter was just awful. And then they didn't kick a goal after that, Sydney. Very foreboding. (laughs) It was. It was the start of a a nightmarish weekend for the Bloods. I mean, it was a demoralising first term. We gave up a four-goal head start to the Swans. And just the effort was deplorable. Just no intensity for a team that should be desperate to snap a, a four-game losing streak. There was just no hunger whatsoever. So what happened? The hairdryer treatment at quarter time? Is that really what worked? The old-fashioned... Well, it might have contributed to it. Rocked them to their core? Uh, well, I think it's the first time that Bet Goddard, at least visibly, on the field has whipped <laughs> that out. But uh, it appeared to have some effects because that almighty spray... It sparked them into action. What unfolded from there was a pretty gripping contest. The Hawks worked hard to get back into it, restricted the Swans, as you say, to just five points after quarter time. The goal to snatch the lead was, yeah. by contrast, some of the best footy we've seen from our yeah, Hawks team all year. Yeah, just glorious. That, and then 
The double fist celebration. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, straight down the barrel. <laughs> Excellent stuff from uh, from Gilroy. It started with a one-handed pickup from Fellows at halfback. Uh, we'll get to her in a sec. She had a magnificent game too. On to McCour Chute, who uh, delivered to Gilroy, who put it through and took a bounce, even though she was instructed not to, apparently. Really? Bet Goddard absolutely told her off to, to not bounce it. And when you see how she bounces yes. it, I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> the camera angle wasn't conducive to seeing exactly how she did it at the time, yes. but it was awkward. Yeah, it was a uh, a one-handed bounce with a lot of elevation on that arm. <laughs> so, And in the wet, because it wasn't, wasn't yeah. ideal conditions yeah, for a bounce. Ground, yeah. Yeah, but it all it all worked out for uh, Aileen Gilroy, who's uh, fast become one of my favourite players of this outfit. Absolutely sublime goal, our best play all year. Let's talk about the uh, the premier player, though, the, the true highlight of the game. That's Jasmine Fleming. Rising star nomination. Mm. Well earned. Argu- she's, she's strung together a few great games. She has. Arguably a week too late, this one. She could have easily had it against the Bulldogs in abhorrent conditions the week before, <laughs> but turned up to play against 16 disposals, 10 tackles, four clearances, and just has the makings of a superstar of the competition. Absolutely. You can build a team around her, and she can attract talent to the club as well. I think so. You've got to keep in mind as well. It's it's mind-blowing to think that she's only 17. Like that That is crazy. She's got such a bright future ahead of her, and so a rising star nomination is certainly very fitting. We have nailed that draft. Did you say hello to Damien while you were there? I didn't see Damien. I imagine he was there. Okay. No, he definitely was. He was on the coverage. Oh, there you go. Well, the commentary uh, pointed out that Jasmine Fleming took a good slips catch, which is a nice piece of commentary, <laughs> I thought, and it was a good mark. Uh, Talia Fellow, as we mentioned before, three goals, and her efforts to get our second goal on the board, I felt was an indication that something may have shifted. Because I-, I was over the other side of the ground. I couldn't see what was apparently a- an almighty spray from mm. Beck Goddard, and my first inkling that maybe we were back in the hunt was fellows chasing after this ball and getting the goal. Uh, that sparked our intensity and our physicality. I felt that lifted after that goal. Nine touches and four tackles and uh, three goals to Talia Fellows. Normally that'd be enough, wouldn't it, to get the rising star norm? No, not not this time, apparently. <laughs> not this time. Jasmine Fleming was sensational, so but, she had strong competition there. But Fellows, amazing talent. Yeah, well, well wasn't she uh, tipped as the, the most improved? She won some VFLW award. It's just it's on the tip of my tongue at the moment, but she was recognised really recently as one of Casey's best players, and Casey had a fantastic season too. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely an exciting talent. And we've got Aileen Gilroy as well. I wanted to give a shout out to and Caitlin Ashmore, two of my favourites, two speedsters that routinely ignite things for this side when we really need it. Quick, crafty, creative. They had eight and nine touches apiece. Gilroy with six inside fifties. I thought was worth noting. Yeah, they're very quick on the transition, and it's beginning to work. Mm. Um, there are a couple of times they hit up leads that resulted in goals. Yeah, less panic kicks, which I like, which is a critical. Well, more them. space, more space. Well, they managed to create space in the forward line and use it to their advantage. Mm, mm. I, I think it's telling that um, something might have shifted because there's a lot of pressure on the team in this game, especially when they well, there was gave, ex- expectation really. Well, expectation. They gave up that kind of lead. Mm. This was one instance in which those bad habits didn't reassert themselves. So maybe there's a bit of maturity creeping in. Maybe there's some development there. I guess we'll see that or not against the Eagles. It'll be a very intriguing clash coming up at the end of this week. Akech McKerchewitz, uh, I thought she was a standout too. Made some mistakes, such as playing on after a ripper mark with only yeah. 140 on the clock for the game. That was right in front <laughs> of where I was. It was a great mark though. 
Oh, no, sensational. The umpire could have definitely intervened because they're a bit slow to the whistle. Yeah, uh, look, I thought it was holding the ball. I thought it was really unfortunate that she played on. But, uh, look, she had some really important touches too. 13 touches in all and gave us some drive when the game was on the line. A game high, uh, 411 metres gained, in fact, and made the team of the week. It's the making of the football club, really, though, isn't it, this Mm. game? Potentially, yeah. It's good for the spirit. To come back like that, to just win, Mm -hmm. it felt so good as supporters. And there were so many players that, that... really uh, powered through, right through to the end, especially Lucy Wiles, Mm. um, who's just taken on far greater workload than she would have expected to at the start of the year. Well, speaking of Casey players, Lucy Wales from Casey as well. Uh, injuries have left her to handle the bulk of the ruck duties, as you say, and she's done it wonderfully well. Dominated in the ruck in this instance. Game high, 23 hitouts to go with 11 disposals, 4 tackles and 4 marks, one of which helped seal a result, mind you, on defensive 50. And uh, I couldn't help but notice she finished the game with a, a Ben McAvoy-style bandage. Round the head. Yeah, having gone unmentioned as uh, big boy with <laughs> Talia Fellows, we still managed to fit Ben McAvoy in at the end there. <laughs> That's right, yeah. There's uh, a couple of big boy mentions in a roundabout <laughs> way. Uh, we also had a debutant on this occasion, Emily Everest. A quiet game on the stat sheet, but uh, when I watched back that, that final quarter, she withstood some immense pressure in that final term and had a couple of goal-saving moments, so not a bad way to make your debut, really contributing in a big way to, to this historical win. They did keep their head yep. under enormous pressure, the defenders, in, that last, in those last moments. There's a bit of luck there too, but... Oh, look, uh, maybe a little bit, but the fact of the matter is they, they came back from such a large deficit, which in AFLW contextually that's that's a win mm. Sydney got out to easily a winning margin and I, I didn't see there was a way back for them and they stunned everyone so what was the noise like when the siren went pretty great yeah the scenes were fantastic and um, yeah it was a little bit emotional as well with, with the players you know coming to the fence as well to thank everyone and I couldn't help but notice the uh, right where I was standing the race sisters just with tears in their eyes like proud mothers and you know because they've been riding this since forever yeah, you know, there's so much invested in this. I was so disappointed when our initial applications were turned down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this has been a long road to this first win, and and now we've made history. That's done. That's in the books now. Our first ever AFLW win. A long time coming, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what they can produce at Skybus Stadium this week, out in Frankston, mate. If you don't mind, against West Coast. Yes, At that's right. The unlikely hour of six ten PM on a Friday. <laughs> that's right. I'll, I'll be there. I'm I'm expecting good things. I think not only from what we showed against Sydney, but looking at West Coast's form, I'm not sure they're that much chop. I mean, they've won two games. They've beaten the Giants, who got absolutely poleaxed against the Crows. I mean, they managed one behind for the game and lost by almost a hundred points, which was a, a record record margin. <laughs> wow. Uh, West Coast also beat Port Adelaide, who are another expansion club, who are starting to hit their straps now. But do we get to play Port Adelaide? We do. I think we play them after West Coast from memory. Put so. that down. That's another win. There you go. Well, actually, I think bar Brisbane, the rest of our fixture is against uh, bottom half oh, sides. Brisbane. Yeah, Br- Brisbane's going to be tricky. <laughs> it's going to be two dollar favorite for the premiership. Yeah. So uh, that, that could be a tricky one, but I back us in. I back us in this week against West Coast. I'll be out there at Skybus Stadium. Very much looking forward to that. It was, um, it was what we needed after a tough week as Hawthorne supporters. 
the, the, the moral fiber of the club uh, questioned. They, they questioned um, the whole ethic of the club, yeah. It, it, it kind Whether of, it's still a family club, yes, etc. Yeah, it, it kind of recontextualize one of the proudest eras we've ever had as a club you know does it take the gloss off they tried to do that put that into the faded into the shadows yeah they did i'm talking about the media yeah i I know you yeah yeah no absolutely um there's a question of how much we actually go over this because it's been a week it has the the story has been much publicized so i don't want to retread exactly where it began because i feel like everyone's across it what we can do is go over where it's at now. Well, you did an extensive talk through with uh, the boys of Hawks Insiders. Yes, yeah, we, we had a, an online space and uh, I feel it was a really useful forum because the fact was it had been a big couple of days and, and supporters um, feeling We're a lot of to different... Hear, well, you, still, were you still waiting to hear from Fagan and Clarkson? Uh, I, th- I feel like we had official statements by then yeah. um, from memory. It's been a big week. Um, but, yeah, people were feeling a lot of different feelings. And, yeah, it, it was necessary to talk it through. But here's where we're at now. This is from the Herald Sun today. Uh, Brisbane coach Chris Fagan has hired a top legal team in a bid to clear his name in the Hawthorne racism bombshell. Fagan and Clarkson were allegedly named in Hawthorne's review of its treatment of First Nations players Reports of their alleged interactions have been damning, and the AFL is working to establish a panel to investigate the claims. Now, as we sort of referred to then, uh, both Clarkson and Fagan have vehemently denied all allegations. And that's unsurprising to me. And unsurprising that, uh, well, here this article says Fagan's hired a top legal team. You'd imagine Clarkson's doing the same thing. Half of the course. Mobilising these people to to mount a defence because it's pretty serious stuff. That, that oh, came out called into question their continued career their past career their character as an individual in the game absolutely if this stuff's found to be true then that's them them done they're, they're out of footy you would say they're certainly not coaching brisbane and north melbourne respectively and well i've already heard from several media pundits that they shouldn't be in the role again again i feel like that's jumping to conclusions i agree because we need this investigation. And that ties into what we're about to say. This article does continue. The First Nations families who have made allegations against ex-Hawthorne coaches have serious reservations about being interviewed as part of an independent investigation into the claims. The families involved want to drive change and force accountability for what they see as serious issues at Hawthorne, but believe they have already told Hawthorne review author Phil Egan and ABC journalist Russell Jackson their stories in graphic detail. The report handed to the AFL has been corroborated in part by a Hawthorne assistant coach. So they're unwilling to enter into the continued investigation. Which surprises me, and I don't feel as though that's helpful. Uh, Well, yeah, it will draw people to some fairly uh, aggressive conclusions. Yeah, well, let's just say this. It's not helpful for anyone. It's not helpful for any party in this story. Um, and, and, and Russell and, Jackson would not be feeling great about that decision, I would imagine. I, I get that they, they don't want to participate, but the fact is we, you, you can't abandon this story yes, there was, now. this was always coming back to you. I, I suppose I'm somewhat surprised that there was no seemingly no foresight that Clarkson and Fagan were not going to take this lying down. Like that, They're going to fight for their names and their careers. You can't drop these kinds of bombshells and expect there to be nothing in reply. And they do deserve a right of reply. This is the thing. They do deserve an investigation. 
I, I don't think the outlook is so great. <laughs> I'm inclined to believe the interviewees because who would make this up and for what gain? However, we can't jump to conclusions. They do deserve an investigation. And part of that investigation is having the testimonies of the people that were interviewed in the first place. They have to be involved. Yeah, so we're in a bit of a no-man's land right now. Yeah, absolutely. it's unclear as to how this will resolve. Yeah, a complex story has become more complicated and, yeah, we're no closer to discovering what exactly happened. It's still, unfortunately, it's still a he said, she said game. And uh, these coaches have been... And it may never get beyond that, to be quite honest. Well, who really knows? But for the time being, Clarkson stepped away from North, Fagan from uh, from Brisbane, Burt and Newbold have stepped away from their respective positions. So the ramifications of this story are ongoing and it's the kind of thing that needs to be (laughs) worked through quickly, but won't be. Absolutely won't be. Well, I mean, the solutions to all these issues that have been occurring in footy for a very long time is not going to be resolved before the start of next season. No. And there needs to be some kind of dramatic overhaul across the AFL. Yep. Um, Eddie Betts said as much, and he's completely right. If people think that this is limited to Hawthorne, they are kidding themselves. And that is not... Or limited to First Nations players. Well, you know... Yep. The power the clubs have over individuals Mm -hmm. when they're trying to make... start or get into the game, or be selected, mm. is almost like, if you're not going to do it, someone else will do it, is basically yeah, what they tell you. Yeah, it, it does bring into light that, that that damning question of like at what costs success. Because if, if some of what's alleged to have happened is true, I mean, my goodness, what are we doing? Should we really be chasing a Premiership Cup with that with that kind of sacrifice? Having said that, I, found it, I find it very hard to believe of both Clarkson and, and Fagan, from what I know of them, and... Yeah. I mean, we haven't experienced that much of them. We don't know them intimately. But we... but it's so hard to believe. Yeah. It's so shocking. And I don't want to believe it. This is the thing. It's the honest truth. I don't want to believe that this is true. But you can't help but think, well, I don't understand what people have to gain by lying and about that's, this. And that's why you continue an investigation. And if that's thwarted, um, because, I don't know, whatever their reasons, mm-hmm. um, they'll still have to investigate but without them everyone at this point has to keep an open mind well you know you don't have to that's well, your prerogative well i would encourage people to it's an open investigation i'm, I'm not going to damn clarkson fagan etc to to one fate already gee some people were quick to though well i don't blame that it's disturbing the stuff that was published was a really disturbing and uh sad and upsetting read firstly i was very disappointed in our own administration for not getting any input from Clarkson yeah. and Fagan at all before yeah. they handballed or hot potatoed the document mm, mm. to AFL House and then it's leaked from there. Yeah, I, I mean, Fagan and Clarkson took issue with not being consulted to begin I with. I think that's thoroughly well, right, right of them to take issue there. Well, I don't know about that because Hawthorne conducted this what what would you call it? I'm, I'm overusing the word investigation. But well, they asked Phil Egan to go out and yeah, to liaise with First Nations people who'd the, previously been at the club. But they weren't to know that this was what they were going to uncover, and they weren't to know that it was going to pertain to those specific individuals, and so they couldn't have been consulted. You don't know what you don't know. We no, they had it for two weeks. Oh, so you're talking afterwards? They, Hawthorne had it for two weeks before they handed it over to AFL yeah. House, and in that period, they did nothing. Mm. 
and then they've seen it get leaked. Yeah, well, and it's brought about tremendous embarrassment and lack of. This is something that we've discussed off mic. Can you recall a leakier time in well, the club's history? I mean, you can't tell when it was leaked. Whether it was at Hawthorne or at the AFL House, or you know, the timing was fascinating. Mm. Grand final week, I'd... but you know, Russell Jackson has. Very good form at getting these stories out. He does, yeah. Yeah. It's a story we're going to keep a close eye on uh, as it progresses. Anyway, we do need to move on to... uh, I know, (laughs) right? Yeah, it's hard to move on. But PCM, we need to make our predictions. Sicily. Sicily is winning it, I agree. Yep. How about your runner-up? Newcomb. Yep, I agree with that too. Is it too early for Newcomb to poll? Not at all. Not at all. Third place. That's where it gets difficult. That's right. I'm going Hardwick. Yeah, see... You said Jom, didn't you? No, 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 no. It's between Hardwick or Moore for me. Ooh. And I think just to provide a point of interest. No I'll, Tom Mitchell. No Tom Mitchell. No, he's not getting close to it this year. Too much competition. Uh, I'm going to say Dylan Moore just to be a point of difference from you. Best first year player? That's tough as well. Uh, Connor McDonald. Wasn't tough, was it? <laughs> well, it could be Ward. Ward's been fantastic too. Not as good though. Well, Connor McDonald's, I felt at some stage. There were points during the season (laughs) where they wanted to drop him. This is exactly what I was going to say. And they couldn't bear to drop him. Well, yeah, they kept on playing him and playing him. I think for that alone. uh, And he performed, even though he was obviously. The the tank was showing E. Yes. Empty tank and. I think Ward and McDonald were both great in their own right, but that is what separates them, is McDonald simply couldn't be dropped. Oh, now that is unkind. Most consistent, and you've got Chadley Wingo. <laughs> There's nothing on the page, ladies and gentlemen. There's a blank space <laughs> that I've encouraged his to write in, and, and neither of us have put our answers down yet, so we're no, doing this on the fly. Because you could watch, you know, look over and <laughs> copy. Um, all right, most promising is next. Most promising? Is it number nine? Probably not. Not off this year. Last year was was more promising than this year. This yeah, year, this is true. This year was a bit. Did of he a, get it last year? Uh, you know, from memory, I think he might have. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> <laughs> Can you win back to back? Most promising. It seems like you shouldn't be able to win it back to back. Because at that point, you've stalled. Well, yeah, I guess you can't take best first year player and most promising though, can you? <laughs> oh. Well, it makes sense, wouldn't it? It would. Surely, most promising if he doesn't get the Peter Crimmins is Newcomb. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, most consistent. Uh, you said Chad. No, <laughs> my default. My default for this one is always Scrimshaw, but Dylan Moore's got to be a really good that, chance. That is a very good call. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Dylan Moore on that one. I'll 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 go with you on that. And best clubman is Dylan Moore. Okay, I'm going to say McAvoy. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's put always in, put in a lot best of work. Clubman. You can't. You, we're too outside to know. Oh yeah, this is the hardest one to pick. There's no doubt about I that. I always get this wrong when I turn up at the PCM. That's the one that you know cuts me out of the betting. <laughs> well, can we talk about the grand final very briefly before we get to the trade stuff? Yeah, go for it. You went. I did. And <laughs> didn't didn't you text me on the day saying there wasn't much of a queue? I was like, oh, that's good. You said, yeah, only 400 metres. <laughs> so you queued up 400 metres for tickets. Serpentine. Okay, all right. Serpentine 400 metres. All right, so how was your day in the end? Uh, well, best on ground, Robbie, definitely, by the length of the straight. 
And then Abby Holmes stole his look. (laughs) (laughs) And that that was about the whole day for me, really. And enough said about the game. Isaac Smith, how are we feeling about that? It was like Valentine's Day. (laughs) How do you mean? And my ex came back. He was the (laughs) best. He was the best on ground, and I loved it. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. People like, I just couldn't deny it because I, 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 I love him. I yeah. hate the fact he went to Geelong. Yeah. I hate the fact that he was the instrument that won them a premiership, mm-hmm. but my admiration for the guy overwhelms all that. And yep. the fact that the norm didn't go to a Geelong player. <laughs> it Hawthorne. went to a Hawthorne great. It went to a Hawthorne legend. <laughs> It just sort of underlines how great Isaac is. Uh, look, you, you, we, we've joked a lot on this podcast, but uh, people should know I'm in the exact same boat as you. He was one of my favourite Hawks when he was at the club. And so it was upsetting to see him and leave. He's and he's a t- top quality guy too. Well, he seems like it. And so it really hurt when he left and went to Geelong of all places. But you, sometimes you just got to give credit where it's Tip due. Your I, hat. I mean, this is a guy that left I Hawthorne. Feel, I feel exactly like that West Coast bloke. Who gave him the high five? <laughs> That's right, 2015. Yeah, on the battery. Yeah. I feel exactly like that. Yeah, oh, it's it's a perfect way to put it because like he he left Hawthorne and, and you know whether it was for his family, he's in the twilight of his career. Wants a bit more premiership success. Well, he's he had, the only one that could run in the side. <laughs> he had reasons to go there, and he wanted success. He makes it to grand final day. He wins the Norm Smith. You got to tip your lid. You've yep. got to say, fair enough, mate. You had a mission in mind, mission accomplished. What a great story. He was dominant on the ground, and you can't take that away from him. You, at a certain point, even if you don't like him, you have to respect that. We love him. Well, I do. I know a lot of Hawk supporters feel differently. I don't like him in those colours. Well, exactly. But the bloke, yeah, ripper. And what a footballer. I think he's won a premiership, basically. <laughs> like, what is yeah. he? Four from ten seasons? Well, he's done a Cyril. He's won four flags. He's got a Norm Smith. <laughs> wow. I'd never thought of that. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Gee whiz. I mean, we're not going to say that they're the same colour. You know they're hasn't... very different players. You know, but he, Did he lose a grand final? Uh, I think he might have. <laughs> Shoot me a look like that. Uh, well, the game was an odd event, and that was annoying. And I'm not annoyed at Geelong for that. I'm annoyed at Sydney. Oh, you can't blame Geelong. You can't blame Geelong. They were they were sensational. Sydney just never put up a shot. They, they, they just... I wouldn't have said that was sensational. You only play as well as you're allowed. Okay, well, that's true. Yeah, Sydney didn't really do much. There were, there were four players for Sydney who really put their hand up and said, you know, we can do something. There, there and none the... of them were in the forward line. Uh, just on that point that you said before, there was... A goal, I remember. It was Dangerfield's, one of his most arsy goals he's ever kicked in his career. It was at the city end. And I do remember saying, I was watching it at the pub, and I was just like, I said aloud, I'm like, that is maybe the worst defensive effort I've ever seen. Right, yeah. Sydney just allowed that to happen. It made Dangerfield look like Harlan Globetrotter's stuff. Last three grand finals, all all losses. Yeah. Makes 2012 worse, got to say. We don't talk about that. <laughs> It's all right. We're on the good timeline, even though Geelong won. We are on the good timeline. We're on the good timeline. Even though our three-peat might have this dark shadow, we're still on the good timeline. It's still good. Everything's fine. And if you're really, you know, feeling it, how Geelong have won, um, just go up and mention to a Collingwood supporter that, uh, you know, you'd only beaten Sydney. (laughs) Yeah, it's good fun, that. You probably would have won. Yeah, (laughs) that's the bonus. (laughs) 
anyway, a non-event of a grand final, and uh, we move on. We need to get to, to some trade whispers, as I said. Now, we did have news just before hitting record, which is it's nice for us, because usually we get news after we record. <laughs> well, we did put this question out there on the last record. You know, what is Jacker doing, and, and what is Brockman doing? And they've signed. Yes, according to Mark McGowan, both Tyler Brockman and Emerson Jecker have inked one-year deals, which is fantastic news. Uh, a bit of scuttlebutt about maybe Tyler Brockman being used to secure a, a higher pick from West Coast, maybe, to get picked two off them, but that's not going to be happening. Uh, Jack Saunders and Seamus Mitchell still without deals for the time being. Yeah, uh, We might be losing a superstar to a rival club, though. We might be losing Tom Mitchell to Collingwood. This is from Sam Edmund uh, on Tom Mitchell's destination. I'm told it's well down the path to being Collingwood. In fact, speaking to people around this one, they go so far as to say it's almost done and dusted. We know he's got a year to run on his contract at Hawthorne. We know he's exploring a trade. Hawthorne are happy with that. He wants to play for Collingwood, and I think he will get to Collingwood. Well, if they had had Tom Mitchell, <laughs> they well would have won. Well played. How are we feeling don't, about Don't it? you believe that? Well, they, they're they, contested they possessions well. if they'd been a little bit better in that first half. That, I know you don't want Tom Mitchell to leave. I'm a bit more. I just, I just think it's much harder. Yeah, to, well, to climb the ladder next year. But uh, you know, he's not going to be there for much longer. It does make sense to to give other players more midfield time, but. Uh, do we have someone else in mind who's going to be a backup? Or? I don't know. I, I wonder what we get back from this deal. I, I, I'm not really sure. What's Tom Mitchell worth? That's I would say that's debatable. But good thing we have 12 hours per day of trade radio to have people enlighten us on that. Well, I, I know your ears are bleeding from it. So <laughs> I started with it this morning. And at a certain point, I was like, what am I doing? If I have to hear about Brody Grundy one more time... I'm going to throw my phone across the room. Anyway, uh, Hawthorne to inherit the meek, perhaps. Well, no, no, that is interesting about Bodie Grundy because the Collingwood people want to keep him now that Dugowie won't sign the clause that he to, can't. To not be a dick, yeah. basically. Yeah. That's what it is. But the AFLPA have come out and supported that that clause shouldn't be in his contract. Well, I think there are... Oh, look, I imagine there are certain behavioural clauses in most contracts, but there might be a little something extra for his. Is that the insinuation? Whatever. That's, what they're, that's uh, what they're trying I to do? I don't think anyone's leaked the contract, so we can't really know. But well, no. in general terms, they've said there shouldn't be any, which which is quite strange because I'm pretty sure Barry Hall had a, had one. Well, again, it comes to that, back to that question of what price success? Like, what, what are we willing to do in order to dictate terms to players to win premierships? For for, for Dugowie's case, you've got to say it's it's a relevant question. But Dugowie, it's not really a choice, mate. It's St Kilda or Collingwood. Yeah, it seems that way. And or Essendon. Oh, yeah. Don't count them out. Nah, they're always there, the dumpster. <laughs> we need to talk about uh, the Meek. The Meek could be coming to Hawthorne. Fremantle Ruckman Lloyd Meek is keen to get to Hawthorne, although the Dockers remain eager to retain the contracted big man. This is according to AFL.com.au. Yeah, that just says we want more than you're prepared to offer us. Yeah, Fremantle see a way for Meek to play at the top level at their club, even if they do land, here's the word, want away. Demon uh, Luke Jackson. Oh, thank goodness we're seeing that phrase again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It'll want away be, demon. It'll be a want away word because we never see it at any other <laughs> okay, time. Okay, so they've year. got Meek, they've got Jackson, yes. there's Lob, and then there's another Ruckman there already, Sean Darcy. Oh, yes. So please show me how they're going to play all four of them. Is Darcy rumoured to leave or am I. 
Yeah, a few of them want out. Yeah. Lob wants out. Darcy's thinking about it. Yeah, and Meek. Yeah, not ideal for free. I can <laughs> see why they'd want to hang on to Meek. <laughs> and Griffin Logue's already off to North. Yeah, and Acres is probably gone. But this is the big fella. This is we saw him play against Box Hill, mm. and he was the difference. Uh, Jack Bowes mm. or Jack Bowes. Let's go Bowes. Okay, like the like the stereo. Clearly, we, we, we've watched him very closely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said to me he's a young talent. I said, isn't he 24? Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I couldn't tell you my... I, look, once once that was on the table and we were linked to him, I started looking up highlights. and I had 10. I did have to admit to myself, I don't know anything about this kid, pick really. 10? Well, I mean, he pulled apart the Box Hill midfield. Yeah, well, that's the most I know about him yeah. when I watched. Um, he's never taken it by the scruff of the neck for Gold Coast, and, and yet they still... You know they want to get rid of him. Well, they need the salary. They they, they need the salary. How? For, I, I know. I know. I know. Is Jack Lacocious? Does he own the club? <laughs> What's going on? That well, other bloke's leaving. How can they possibly have yeah, a problem? Yeah. Rankine but they is going. Yeah, but they've got to protect their other assets, and they've got to keep them on good money. So apparently, they need <laughs> to uh, to get a lot more salary free. So. He's, he's got a contract for the next two years at the Suns and is reportedly worth more than $1 million overall because they kept on back-ending it and back-ending it, kicking the can down the road to your well, face. Well, do we really want this? Uh, it would come packaged potentially with pick seven. Okay, all so, right. So, so that's, that's we, what we And what want. do we do? Well, I, I'm not too sure. Pick but six, do we? Or do we have six and seven? I think, I think we'd be looking at having pick six and seven. No. So that's, that's why... That's a dream trade. What yes. are we giving them? Well, that's a good question. The, but the, sun, the Suns aren't in a position of leveraging much because they absolutely Surely need the money. Surely they take our pick six. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Look, it might not even come to that. We're not the only club interested. Uh, Geelong are interested. Oh. So, I mean, reigning premiers. Many of them retiring? I don't know how they keep that many talented blokes on the list uh but that's about it that's about all the trade news we have at the moment i mean we are really at the start of all this so uh amon he's locked and loaded still keen yeah he'll still come to hawthorne and that's about all we have to report right now it's a bit disappointing we didn't get a look in for tanner brun he'd be feeling pretty good about his choice at the moment i'd say going to the reigning premiers but he was, you know, he's following Sam Mitchell on Instagram. I thought he was a lot. Oh, God. Anyway, on that note, we do need to wrap up. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could spare a few seconds to rate or review our show over on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, it really does make a difference in helping other diehard Hawks fans find the show. And uh, we also want to give a shout out to the ever-expanding community building around our show. Fans over on Twitter, that's almost 3.8 thousand followers over on Twitter now. Facebook also doing well, 2.4. Instagram, we're building a nice community there too. Thanks so much for getting around us if you haven't joined us do come aboard simply search hawk talk podcast on whichever social platform you prefer uh, lastly as always we'd like to extend a massive thanks to our proud passionate and paid up patreon subscribers who have thrown their support behind the hawk talk podcast now we've got an extra special shout out to a couple of new subscribers who have just come aboard welcome aboard matthew and christian thanks so much for signing up now a bit of a special treat to uh for some of our patreon subscribers uh, it's a great time to subscribe now because we've got some sweet bonus content available. Our postseason player gradings, two parts of a three-part series online right now for your enjoyment. That's subscriber-only content. So if you're keen to have a listen to that and all our other past, present, and future bonus episodes, check out all the details at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. Yeah, we've got to record that after dinner. It's going to be good. Get a bit of steak in us. 
and then get the red sharpie out get a grade in <laughs> <laughs> part one was good part one was really fun i'm looking forward to getting stuck into the uh, the second third of the list starting with Lockie Bramble. Plenty to discuss there. Plenty to discuss with the few players after him as well. It's going to be really interesting indeed. For now, though, uh, we'll, we'll just leave it there, mate, I reckon. We'll be back very soon. Catch you then. This has been the Hawk Talk Podcast. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.